This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Talking about horizontal. And uh, this is a cross that uh, a good friend of mine had made for me out of a tree out in his forest. And, uh, you, you know, we're reminded, and Randy was saying something in his testimony about that, that uh, the vertical part of the cross is pointing upward. And it reminds us to love the Lord the, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then this part is, is what we would call horizontal, you know. And this is the second command that's to love your neighbor as yourself. So I want you to remember that every time you see a cross, remember that we have been challenged to love God and we've been challenged to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's all important. Um, also, uh, Susan and I were talking to uh, Chris Markoof and uh, she was telling us about her and uh, Natalie. Natalie was here last night. That they've been going out taking uh, meals to people and things like that and just really going horizontal, touching people's lives. And there's a a guy in the midst of their outreach named Bill, that they were able to lead to Christ. And you know what? They ain't nothing more important than that. Did you know that the Bible says that when someone accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior, it says all the angels in heaven rejoice. So I think you and I should do our best to keep them angels rejoicing 24-7. Don't give them a break, okay? You know, just sharing, going horizontal, sharing the love of Christ, bringing people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And uh, anyhow, we'll probably share a little more detailed testimony about that and all the, the people's lives that they're touching and some things that we can do before very long. Um, let me read you here in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 37. It says, however, this is Jesus talking, however, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. And you understand that, that Jesus will not reject us. Now, we may choose to reject him, but he will never reject us. His love for us is eternal, everlasting. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it says the spirit and the bride. Now, can you tell me, uh, how do we identify the bride of Christ? What is the bride of Christ? That would be us, believers, followers, you know. And it says the spirit and the bride, that's talking about us, about us, say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty. Well, let me see. Okay, let's see there. Anyone who's thirsty, come. And, well, you know, I know I take advantage every time I can to eat something in church. But I'm not going to eat anything today. I'm just bringing you a plate so you can see it and remember. And we'll talk about that a little bit 
more in a little bit. Okay. So he says here, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. And people are thirsty for love. People are thirsty for acceptance. They genuinely are. And he goes on to say, let anyone who desires drink freely. Anyone who desires, let them drink freely from the waters of life. You know, God, who is love, he offers this invitation to come and drink freely from the the waters of life to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet. People who are lost, people who, who don't know Christ, he's inviting them to come and partake of this fountain of living water. So he's inviting them. To all who need comfort, to all who want friendship, to those who desire acceptance, to all who want the sheltering love, to all those who have sinned and they need a savior, and whoever will, you know, God's word says, come. Uh, And Faith Living Church spreads out its arms and opens its doors and says, you're welcome, come. Come into our building. Uh, come into our sanctuary via the door or via the camera, you know, live streaming. You're welcome. You know, uh, this is all about going horizontal. We're to love the Lord for our heart, soul, mind, strength. Love our neighbor. Love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what he wants us to do. Old Bill was hired to sweep streets in a small town in the hills. And once a week, the street sweeper came by with his brush. And Bill was a friendly old fella. And Miss Gidding on the corner got into the habit all that summer of taking him a glass of lemonade and a slice of cake. He thanked her shyly. And that was all. But one evening, there came a knock at the back door of Miss Giddings. Bill was there with a sack of peaches in one hand and a handful of roasting ears of corn in the other. He seemed embarrassed as he said, I brought you these, ma'am, for your kindness. Oh, you shouldn't, exclaimed Miss Giddings. It was nothing. And then the street sweeper said an odd thing. Well, no, he agreed. Maybe it wasn't much, really, ma'am, but it was more than anyone else ever did for me. Here's an old man and a glass of lemonade and a piece of cake. He said it was more than anybody else had ever done for him. There are so many people around us And it would take such a little thing to make a difference in their life. There would be so much more than maybe anyone else ever done for them. Maybe a kind word, you know. I could go for a piece of that cake as long as it was gluten-free right now, you know. (laughs) I'm just teasing you. No, I'm not teasing. I could go for one. but uh... (laughs) Dr. Leonard Kamer, a psychiatrist who specialized for 30 years in treating depressed persons, said, the human being is the only species 
that can't survive alone. The human being needs another human being. Otherwise, he's dead. A telephone call to a depressed person can save a life. An occasional word, a 10-minute visit can be more effective than 24 hours of nursing care. You can buy nursing care. You can't buy love. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Don't just pretend. You know, pretending something is not real, you know, something that's false. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Don't pretend. Really love them, you know, from the heart in truth and reality. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good and love each other with genuine affection, warmth and, and fondness and and friendliness and caring. So he says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight, take, take satisfaction, take pleasure in honoring each other to, to treat them with kindness and to treat them with respect. Now, yesterday, it was just on the way to the church. I was asking Susan, I said, now, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, and uh, I was just thinking about that based on something I had read. And it's just like, uh, you know, what do you want to be? <laughs> and if you don't know for sure right now, I want to challenge you as you continue to move forward in life. And uh, what do you want to be? I want to tell you, be kind. Is that okay? Whatever career you choose, that's that's your business, but... Whatever you're doing in the midst of it, be kind. And that's what going horizontal is all about. It really is. It's loving people and, and being kind. That's what he's talking about. There's a little boy who came home from his first day at a Sunday school. And his mother asked him how he liked it. And the child replied, I hated it. <laughs> they put me in a room full of children all by myself. Full of children, all by yourself, you know? See, even the church can feel like a, a lonely crowd if there's no hospitality. And hospitality is a big word. Hospitality is about being kind. And it's, there's many ways in you can demonstrate kindness. But anyhow, he says here, in, uh, in Romans 12, pick it up at verse 11. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, actively, excitedly. Uh, serve the Lord enthusiastically, passionately. Rejoice in our confident hope, you know, and, and be patient, you know. Uh, uncomplaining. Patience is enduring and while you're enduring, you're, you're not complaining. And he says, so rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. 
talking to God about everything. Talking to God about everything. Pray without ceasing, as the Bible says. Verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to hide and turn and run away. I'm glad you're paying attention there. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And then it says, always, what percentage is always? 100%. Be ready to help them. Always be eager. Always be enthusiastic. Always be willing and, and, and rip ready to go, you know? Willing and ready to go. Always be eager to practice hospitality. You know, hospitality is something you got to practice. Just like baseball or football or archery. The, these are things that we need to keep practicing. We really do. To, to get them down pat the way Christ had them down pat. And he's talking about live this hospitality. Live it out loud. It's not something that's supposed to be hidden. Anyhow, let me read this Romans chapter 12 to you again. But let me read out of the Message Bible. There's some pretty fantastic inspiration here. But in verse 9, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 in the Message Bible, it says, Love from the center, from the heart, from the core of who you are. Love from the center of who you are. And don't fake it. Don't counterfeit your love, you know. Don't just act like you do when you really don't. He says, so love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Now, lots of times we're on the lookout. I'm looking for a good friend. I'm looking for a good friend. But the Bible says, be a good friend. What our says, I'm looking to become a good friend. I'm going to be the best friend. So he says here, be good friends who love deeply, practicing playing second fiddle. Anybody here play second fiddle? What does second fiddle imply? There must be a first fiddle, right? And so second fiddle is talking about to be subordinate. You accompany somebody, you know. You may not have the leading part. The second fiddle is like in football. It's the guys who sit on the bench. They're just sitting on the bench and they're cheering and they're warming the bench. But if there's some need, something happens, I'm here to, to serve in whatever capacity you want me to. That's second fiddle. And the Bible says, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. He says to do what about it? Practice. Practice is subordinate position. Practice sitting on the bench. Practice playing second fiddle. I'm here to serve in whatever capacity I can. I'm here to help. I'm here to assist you. And, and uh, you're number one as far as I'm concerned, you know. And I'm here to compliment you any way I can. The Bible says, Practice that. And then it says something that I just found absolutely phenomenal. Has anybody here ever used the term, whether it's in your career or in ministry, 
things like that, you go, I just, I'm just burnt out. You know what I'm talking about? Burn out. <clears throat> Don't do that. That's my two cents worth. Don't do that, okay? You know what? You, you know, it, the scripture says, don't burn out. You go, well, Pastor Ron, you just don't understand. No, I understand. You don't understand. It's the same thing as saying, as if, hey, don't burn out. Don't burn out. Don't, don't burn out is the same thing as saying, don't run out of gas. Don't run out of gas. Don't run out of gas. Do you have anything to do with running out of gas? You have a lot to do with it. And if you've ever done it, you probably don't want to do it again. And there is a cure. Listen to what the scripture says. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves what? Fueled. Have y'all figured out how to fuel up your car? And you do it probably before it runs out, right? So you can do your part and not being burned out, keep yourself fueled. You know? This book right here refuels us. It keeps us from running out of gas. It keeps us from being burned out. And you know, my little flashlight here, and I'm not going to shine it to you, at you too much here today, but I use this flashlight every day, just about of my life, you know, or should I say every night, you know. When I go out and check on the dog or I hear something go bump in the night or I got to go outside and check something that's going on out there, you know. When we go up on the mountain, I use that flashlight all the time. And years ago, it cost me a fortune keeping batteries in my flashlights. But then I found these things here. I don't know if you know what these are. These are batteries. But they're rechargeable batteries. Is that something? I don't have to throw an expensive battery away. I just put it in my charger. And I'll, I'll carry probably four uh, batteries with me every time I go up the mountain. And my, each battery's worth five, five hours, a big, bright light, you know? And even this little bitty one, it, it's a very bright light, and it's got a rechargeable battery. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, do y'all ever recharge anything? It's got a light in it. Did y'all know that? Y'all probably did. And some of you going, I never knew my phone had a light on it, you know? Well, not the one that you dial, as you know, they don't usually, you know. But this is like, I, I, I don't want my, I don't want my, my uh, flashlight to burn out. I'm just burned out. Well, don't let it burn. Keep your batteries charged. That's your part. You can stay in the Word. Stay in the Word of God. Read it daily as the Bible teaches us to do so. Memorize some parts of it. Sing it. Praise God. Pray. Worship. Gather with other believers. And he says here, don't burn out. It's your responsibility. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Oh. And I say, wow. I didn't know that. People talk about being burned out. Oh, poor old thing. You got burned out. Well, if you keep running out of gas, you know, somebody should take your car away from you until you can learn to put gas in the thing. It's important to realize, oh, wow, that's my responsibility to put gas in my car. It's my responsibility not to burn out. That's my responsibility. That's what the Bible says. He goes on to say, be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. I'm alert and I'm cheerfully expectant and I'm fueled up and I'm ablaze and I'm ready to go. 
Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. That's the time when people get tem- tempted to quit. Well, things are getting kind of tough right now. You know, Don't quit in hard times. You just about ready to knock a home run. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. And listen to this. Be inventive in hospitality. Sounds like it might have been written for such a time as this. Maybe you're not in a position to be show hospitality like some other passages talk about of, and so forth. But it's like, is there many different kinds of ways to be hospitable? There are with our words and with our actions and praying for people. And you can show great hospitality. You genuinely can. Uh, there's a Jewish proverb I came across the other day and it says, hospitality is one form of worship. Wow. You mean being hospitable, hospitable and kind to people is a form of worship? Well, I'm to love the Lord of God, my God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. And I'm loving my neighbors myself because when I'm loving my neighbor, I'm loving God. I'm, I'm worshiping him because I'm doing what he told me to do, you see. Not only are we challenged, you know, to embrace the opportunities of hospitality as we see it all throughout the Bible, but we're to seek for opportunities of hospitality. You go, well, I haven't had an opportunity to be hospitable in a long, long time. Well, I'll bet you a dollar, if, if I was a bad man, which I'm not, and I said, I'll give you $1,000 for every person that you can go out and show hospitality to today. And there's no limit. Could you figure out how to show hospitality? You could. To one person. Could you show hospitality to more than one? With words and actions and food and groceries and, you know, uh, maybe a text or maybe an email or maybe a phone call and you could show hospitality. It's like, wow. Sometimes we're inspired that we would do for gold what we don't just automatically do for God. Interesting here. Think about that for a moment. Hmm. If you want to do the work of God, pay attention to people. And you'll have opportunity for showing hospitality. Pay attention to people. Notice them. Notice the people that nobody else notices. You're alert and you're noticing people that nobody else notices. The work of love is the work of paying attention. Love notices. Love listens. Love remembers. This is our opportunity to do the work of God. And if we miss it, you know, we just probably won't get that opportunity back again. Because we're not paying attention, you know. We're not really noticing things. But that's what, when he says practice hospitality, that's what the Bible says, practice hospitality. Be inventive in your hospitality. We need to be alert and we got to pay attention. Yes, we we really do. We got to notice things. Well, listen to what it says here in Galatians chapter 6. 
verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Hmm. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep on doing good. Just keep doing the right thing. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to who? Now, what percentage is that? We should do good to everyone. Now, some people say, well, I haven't had an opportunity, you know, or God hasn't really shown me in a long time somebody to, you know, do good to or show hospitality to. No, 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 no. You're not sitting here waiting to hear an audible voice and God says, go do good for that person. (laughs) The only person you're not to do good for is when God says, don't do good for that. And you have to hear it audible, you know, from the sky. And the clouds open and the trees shake and the birds fly away. And God says, don't go do good for that person. Other than that, you're supposed to do good for how many people? 100%. Everyone. 100% of them. So what he says here. We should do good to everyone. John chapter 9 verse 4 says... We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us to do good for people, to show them hospitality, practice hospitality. The night is coming and then no one can work. He says that that's Jesus's words. He says the night's coming when you can't do any more work. It's going to be done. You know, God is paying attention to us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, it says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? A penny? Half penny? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Because he's paying attention. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Did you... I think I brought my brush in one of these bags here. And I was going to show you how many hairs in my brush from my head and from my beard. You all ever end up with some hair in your comb or your your brush or in your sink or the shower? You ever? God knows the number of every one. Well, Lord, what was that one over there? That was 4,523 and a half. God knows the number of every... Is he paying attention or what? He knows every detail about us. That's what he tells us right here. And then he goes over to the same verse 31. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And the sparrows are important to God. But you're even more important to him. And so when we go horizontal, the men, the women, the boys and girls out there, they're all important to God. Very important to him, them. And he shows us and tells us to go and practice hospitality on them. That's what he says to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you. He says, practice hospitality on your enemies. Now, that, that ain't always easy to do. But that's what God's word says. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse him. 
Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's hospitality. Being happy with the happy ones, those who are weeping, come alongside and you weep with them, you know. Live in harmony with each other. And don't be too proud. Don't, don't be so self-important to enjoy. Don't, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I, I'm just an ordinary people. He says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. And you know why he says in there, don't think you know it all? Because you don't know it all. So he says, don't act like you do when you don't. That's what he's telling us. And then he says in verse 17, he says, never pay back evil with more evil. Although it is the easiest thing and the most natural thing for us to do. Somebody slap you, slap them back. <clears throat> Somebody insults you, insult them back. It's the natural and the easiest thing to do. But he says, don't do it. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a, a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do it in a way that people see that you are respectable, you know, and uh, you're principled, you're honorable. That's what he's telling us right here. Verse 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with who? Everyone. Even that honorary neighbor, you know which one I'm talking about? Do all you can to live in peace with everyone because God has promised phenomenal blessings upon peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Remember that? So you, you do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Verse 19 says, Dear friends, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. That's God's business. Revenge, that's God's business. He's going to probably show mercy. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, instead of us taking revenge, instead, if your enemies are hungry... Hey, cook this myself. Feed them. And some of your enemies, you might say, I bought it because they don't trust your cooking, you know. <laughs> but you feed them. If your, your enemies are hungry, what's the Bible say? Feed them. If they're thirsty, well, you, you give them something to drink. That's what the Bible says to do. This is showing hospitality, you see. And uh, then he, over here in verse 21, it says, don't let, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. An old legend says that one day, <clears throat> Abraham was standing by his tent door when he saw an old man coming along the way, weary with his journey and with bleeding feet. With true hospitality, Abraham invited the old man to share his meal and to lodge with him for the night. Abraham noticed that he asked no blessing on the meal and he inquired why he did not pray to God of heaven. And the old man said, I am a fire worshiper and I acknowledge no other God. At this, Abraham 
angry. He grew angry. And he sent the man from his tent. And then God called Abraham. He says, where's the old man that I sent to your house? I have cared for him. This is God speaking. I have cared for him for many years, even though he has dishonored me. Could you not endure him one night and so prove to him my love? Hmm. Where is our hospitality? Do you think God may be bringing some mean, ornery people across our path? So when they're being mean and ornery and we just love them and we bless them and they begin to see the love of God for the first time. We've had some neighbors around here. You know, there's an old gentleman two houses over years ago. I don't know, you might, might remember him. We led the guy to Christ. And he was an honorary old cuss, you know. But we led him to Christ by loving him and caring for him. And maybe God brings some people into your life and you're, you're ready to send them on their way. But maybe God just brought them to you so you can show hospitality to them. Be kind to them. Be loving to them, you know. <clears throat> Jim and Linda Onan of Wadsworth, Illinois, wanted an unusual house. Accordingly, they built a 7,000 square foot pyramid covered in 24 karat gold. The house is surrounded by a moat, which Onan plans to stock with sharks. This new this newspaper account is highly symbolic. There are many people wanting to live in luxury and to live undisturbed by anyone. They may not have sharks on the premises, but they offer no invitation to others to visit them and make sure that they are unapproachable. How different the picture is in the Bible. There the home is to be open for hospitality. And our resources are to be spent, to be honest with you, ministering to others. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest, be, be serious, be intense. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show or to demonstrate deep love. You understand what deep love is? Have you ever been to a, a restaurant for breakfast, especially a breakfast place, and you go in and you order whatever it is that you want on the menu, and you can hardly wait to eat it? And I'd like to eat some of it right now, to be honest with you. But, you know, and then they bring you a cup of coffee, and they advertise it. It is a bottomless cup of coffee. Is that just something we talk about in the South, or do you have it up here? Bottomless cup of coffee, right? Yep. That means while you're drinking your cup of coffee, you know, and you set it down, the waitress comes by and she goes, let me fill that up for you. And you can never get it to the bottom because she just keeps filling it up. And fill, that's a deep cup of coffee. Does that make sense? It's really deep, you know, because you could drink a whole gallon and sometimes in the midst of 
when you get ready to go and, you know, and all, and she said, would you like me to fill you up a paper cup of coffee to take with you? Man, I'm talking about a bottomless cup of coffee. And he says here, if I can find that passage again, where was I reading it? Oh, verse uh, 8. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Deep, deep love. It, it's bottomless love. It's eternal love. Keep showing this kind of love for each other like a bottomless cup of coffee. My Bible says in the 23rd Psalm, my cup runneth over. That's a bottomless cup of God's blessings to us. He says, my cup runneth over. It's just running, bubbling over, bubbling over, bubbling over. You cannot ever use them all up. And he tells us to love deeply as, as a bottomless love, like a bottomless cup of coffee. And then he says here, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. So, all right, if you got sin, and we're going to love people, will this cover your sin? So, this won't do what the scripture says, will it? Hmm. And he says here, love, real love, the bottomless love. It covers a multitude of sin. Now this here is one of my favorite blankets. This is my favorite blanket. This is one we take on a picnic or throw it on the beach for the grandkids to sit on. It's a wool blanket, a soft, 100% wool blanket. Now this demonstrates God's love. You know what I'm saying? It says love, it covers a multitude of sin. Can y'all see me? And there's room in here for Susan, too. <laughs> love covers a multitude of sin. Our love needs to be deep, like a bottomless cup of coffee. It needs to be big and huge to cover the offenses of other people who they've offended us and things like that. And he goes on to say here in verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. You go, well, Pastor Ron... During the pandemic, it's not so easy to, to be that kind of hospitality because you're not supposed to this. Remember Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Let's read it again. Be inventive in hospitality. Is there other ways to show hospitality? Is there? You know, I, I, I remember specifically, there's a family in our church we still have a relationship with. And uh, one of their relatives came, and we lived in a parsonage, and we're really jam-packed in there, you know, and all, and he needed a place to stay for a, a week and all. And I gave him my tent. He loved it, you know. Was that inventive? Was that creative? Yep. You know what else we've done? How many times have we done this other one in the last 40 years? Hundreds of times. We put people in a motel. We put people in a motel and we've provided them with food and we've met with them and talked with them and prayed with them. More people than you can imagine. I think that's an 
inventive way to show hospitality. There are so many ways. If we go, well, Lord, give me wisdom. How can I show your hospitality in our situation even during the pandemic? You know, this coronavirus pandemic in the Bible, he don't stop challenging us to be hospitable, but he says be inventive in hospitality. Wow. Verse 10 says, God has given each of you the gift, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use him well to serve, not yourself, but to serve one another. Don't show hospitality. Verse 11 says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Hmm. All glory and power to him forever and ever. See, hospitality is a test of godliness. Godliness means God-likeness. That's what it's talking about. Just like Christ-likeness, that's what Christianity is. And so hospitality is his test. If we show Kindness and hospitality with our words, with our texts, with our emails, with our phone calls, just waving over at the neighbor. We show hospitality that way. We pass the test. That's the way God would have done it, you know? But see, selfish people, they don't really like strangers intruding into their personal lives. They just don't. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget. You all forget anything? There's a handful of you. The rest of you just forgot that you forgot something. I'm sure. He says, don't forget to show, to demonstrate hospitality to who? Strangers. Some of you look kind of strange, you know. I'm sure I look really strange. But he says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. So he tells them, remember, be inventive. In hospitality, practice it for some who have done this, who've shown hospitality to strangers, have entertained angels without realizing it. Did you know it is possible that there's an angel in this room right now? Angels don't go around great big old wings and halos and things like that. An angel, somebody who comes through the woods, you know, and I actually heard a guy telling this, he said, no, it was a lady who was telling us this. She was hiking through the woods, stepped off the path, chasing her little dog, and she stepped off in some quicksand in another part of the United States, and she was sinking. And there's a lumberjack kind of a guy, you know, suspenders and a plaid shirt and all, came over there and pulled her up, and she just wiped a little bit of mud off and was going to say thank you, and he wasn't there. See, angels show up, and you would never know. You would never know. You probably bumped into him and you just never knew. It's just like a normal person. But the Bible says here, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison? As if you were there yourself. Well, I, I, how am I going to get to prison? You know, I mean, how am I, well, maybe everybody can't go visit a prison. But there's lots of people who... Write a, a little pen pal thing to a prisoner. Or at least they just pray for him. Or 
How many times people have come in here, say, Pastor, I've got a, I've got a record and I can't get a job. So we'll write a little resume and we'll vouch for someone and then somebody gives them an opportunity to start all over in their career again. I mean, showing kindness, there's all kinds of ways you could do it. You know, all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways to show hospitality. Be inventive, the Bible says, you know, in your Showing hospitality. He says, remember those who are in prison? As if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated. As if you felt their pain in your own body. He's challenged us over and over in the scriptures to to practice hospitality. Because when you practice hospitality, you encounter God. You encounter angels unaware. But when you... Practice hospitality. You, when you go horizontal, you encounter God. We were the only family with children in the restaurant. I sat Eric in a high chair. He's just a little fella. I sat Eric in a high chair and noticed everyone was quietly sitting and talking. Suddenly, Eric squealed with glee. And he said, hi, hi. He founded his fat baby hands on the high chair tray. His eyes were crinkled in laughter and his mouth was bared in a toothless grin as he wriggled and giggled with merriment. I looked around and I saw the source of his merriment. It was a man whose pants were baggy and dirty and with his toes poking out of his socks of Some would-be shoes. His shirt was dirty and his hair was uncombed and unwashed and his whiskers were too short to be called a beard and his nose was so varicose it looked like a road mouth. We were too far from him to smell, but I was sure he smelled. His hands waved and flapped on loose wrists. Hi there, baby. Hi there, big boy. I see you, Buster, the man said to Eric. My husband and I exchanged looks. What do we do? Eric continued to laugh and answered, Hi! Hi! Everyone in the restaurant noticed and looked at us and then at the man. The old geezer was creating a nuisance with my beautiful baby. Our meal came and the man began Shouting from across the room, Do you play patty cake? Do you play peekaboo? Hey, look, he knows peekaboo. Nobody thought the old man was cute. He was obviously drunk. My husband and I were embarrassed. We ate in silence, all except for Eric, who was running through his entire repertoire for the admiring Skid Row bum, who in turn reciprocated with his cute little comments. We finally got through the meal and headed for the door. And my husband went to pay the check and told me to meet him in the parking lot. The old man sat poised between me and the door. Lord, just let me out of here before he speaks to me or Eric, I prayed. And as I drew closer... To the man, I turned my back toward him, trying to sidestep him and avoid any air that he might be breathing. 
And as I did, Eric leaned over my arm, reaching with both arms in a baby's like, pick me up position. And before I could stop him, Eric had propelled himself from my arms to the man's. Suddenly a very old, smelly man and a very young baby consummated their love and their kinship. Eric, in an act of total trust, love, and submission, laid his tiny head upon the man's ragged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw tears hover between his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime and pain and hard labor, cradled my baby's bottom and stroked his back as not to drop him. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and he cradled Eric in his arms and his eyes opened and he sat Squarely, his eyes on mine, and he said in a firm, commanding voice, Now you take care of this baby. Somehow I managed, I will, from a throat that contained a a stone I could hardly swallow. He pried Eric from his chest, lovingly and longingly, as though he were in pain, and I received my baby. And the man said, God bless you, ma'am. You've given me my Christmas gift. I said nothing more than a muttered thanks. With Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. My husband was wondering, wondering why I was crying and holding Eric so tightly and why I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a tiny child who saw no sin, who made no judgment, a child who saw a soul, and a mother who saw a dirty suit of clothes. I was a Christian who was blind, holding a child who was not. I felt it was God asking, are you willing to share your son for a moment? when he shared his son for all eternity. How did God feel when he put his baby in our arms 2,000 years ago? The ragged old man unwittingly had reminded me to enter the kingdom of God. We must become as little children. Little children go horizontal a whole lot easier than adults do sometimes. Sometimes it takes a child to remind us of what is really important. We must always remember who we are, where we came from, and most importantly, how we feel about others. The clothes on your back or the the car that you drive or the house that you live in does not define you at all. It is how you treat your fellow man that identifies who you are. And if I'm not mistaken, Jesus said, when you gave a glass of cold water or you gave a a coat or a pair of shoes or when you showed any act of kindness, 
to any of these other ones. Jesus said, when you did it to them, you did it to me. What he was saying here, I believe we can grasp this, is like when you go horizontal, you're also going vertical. When you go and touch other people's lives, Jesus said, I take that personal. You visited that man in jail. You showed a kind word. You you provided a meal for that person. Jesus said, you did it to me. This is a whole lot more important than anything we can imagine when he came to this earth to seek and save the lost. He didn't come and seek to save the saved. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to rescue uh, those who fell off the boat, you grab the, your life ring tied to a rope and you throw it to them and you pull them aboard. And Jesus said, that's what you want to do when you go horizontal. You give people hope. People who desperate for love and de- desperate for acceptance and desperate for forgiveness and you and I can demonstrate it and tell them about it. We can do that. Well, our time is is up and we have another service. So let's just bow our heads to pray together. Can we do that? And Susan, would you join me up here? First thing I want to do is I want to uh, just reaffirm our faith in a wonderful Savior. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you reaffirm your faith with me right now? As we pray and acknowledging him as our Savior and as our Lord and as our King. And if you don't know him, never have. Today is a day that you can declare your faith in him. Those who are in this room, would you pray with me out loud? And those who are at home, wherever you're at watching, would you pray with me as well? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son. That's why you sent your son. Jesus. Jesus. And he gave his life on a cross. And he gave his life on a cross. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life. And I welcome Jesus into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my King. As my King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.